It's wonderful to be back in Pinehurst. I've been jumping around a bit, other congregations, but this is my home base, and it's wonderful to be here. And there are even faces that I don't know you, so that's wonderful. If I didn't greet you, didn't say hello to you, please come afterwards uh, and bring coffee with you and say hello to me. I want to start with a, a shocking statistic. A guy by the name of Rick Warren, I don't know if you've heard of him. He was leading the fastest growing church in America at one stage. Thank you so much. Did a survey in his church. And from that survey, they determined that 89% of all people going to church in America believe that your church is for them and their family. That's it. And he writes below that, but the church exists for the benefit of the non-members. Those that are not already a part of the church. That's who we exist for. I know it doesn't feel like it this afternoon, but yeah, let's go. Genesis 26, verse 1 and 2. Now there was a famine in the land. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be there with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands, and I will confirm the oath I swore to your father. Now, as we read that chapter, chapter 26, as we read further down, we see that the Philistines actually blocked up the wells that Abraham had dug. They blocked them up. And uh, I want to say to you today, that we need to be careful that we don't block up other people's wells. By the way we speak, by the way we act, by the way we live, we can find ourselves blocking up other people's wells. In those days as well, what the, what the, uh, the Philistines would do was they'd come along and they, f and they had a, a well, they would take a dead donkey and throw it down the well. Because then the well was contaminated and no one could use it. And so we need to be careful that we don't do that. That we go to people that are naive, those that have just started serving the Lord, those that don't really know where they're going yet, and we throw a donkey down their well. Why am I speaking to, about wells? Because I believe that there are seven areas, I've called them seven fronts, on which the church needs to push forward into. They're all ours. The first one is a place of repentance. The second one is a place of removing. The third one is a place of refreshing. Fourth, remaining. Fifth, place of restoration. And then a place of raising up and a place of releasing. We're not going to try and do all of those today, I promise you. We'll just probably get through the first one. But we need to make sure that our well has been dug. That we 
are in a place where we're able to resource others around us and ourselves. You, you, you remember Jacob's well? In John 4, it speaks about the Samaritan woman that Jesus encounters. That's Jacob's well. And they, they reckon, the historians tell us that at that stage, Jacob's well is still there today, and it is now 75 feet deep. But in its history, it was at least twice that. 150 feet deep. So, so why did it end up like it is? We, wells can be stopped up deliberately, like we've heard about the Philistines, or it can just simply silt up over time. Because it's been neglected. And so that's what happens with us when we neglect our walk with God. Our wells become silted up. We're not able to, to be able to minister to and, and be a life source into the community because our well is not in a place that we can do that. And so we need to be those people that are continually working on our wells. Shallow wells dry up in summer. And we find ourselves like Isaac, in the middle of, of a desert, in the middle of a famine, the Lord says, go and open up those wells. I will bless you. But I don't know, who, who's ever opened up a well here? Where's Lappi? Not here. Are you in his place, but you're not tall enough. Reopening a well is a labor-intensive and a messy job. Depending where that well has to be opened. If it's in the middle of a flower bed, let me tell you, when you've finished opening that well, there will not be a flower bed. There will not be. You guys taking notes there? I'm watching you. So cool to have you out here, man. But we have no alternative but to trample the flowers and do whatever we need to do to get that well working the way that it should. So guys, I, I, I want you to leave today. When you leave, I want you to be leaving thinking, I need to dig my well. And the reason I want to dig my well is not just for me. It's for the community that I live in. We are the life source of the community that we find ourselves in. A gathering place, a healing place, a place where people can get radically saved because people have opened their wells. In the Old Testament cisterns, which they used for wells, when those things dried up, they actually used them for prisons. They threw people in there and they couldn't get out. So we don't want our well becoming a cistern. We don't want to be, lose our freedom in our well. We don't want others to lose their freedom because of what's happening in our life. We want to be those that people can look and say, yes, there is life. I want to be there because that's where the life is. You might be in a drought, but you can open that well of life. 
You know what, whether through de deliberate disobedience, sabotage, neglect, or other reasons, you're still able to restore what has been lost in your life. There's never a place of no return. Actually, that, that's not true. There is a place when you've gone too far. So, wells are a symbolic life source. We, we are those that want to be good, juicy wells. So the first, the first well that we need to restore in our lives and bring to a place where it's, where it's uh, uh, something that the community can drink from, I want us to start by reading Acts 3.19 and verse 22. And we're going to see these are all here. Repent then. We're going to look at repentance. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. You can, re you can replace that with removed. Your sins may be removed. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That He may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive Him. He must remain in heaven until the time, another R, remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as He promised long ago through His holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. So for me, I've found in my life when I'm in a bad place and I'm, I'm needing a breakthrough in God, for me the place that I go is repentance. Lord, what have I done wrong? What can I change? I, show me what I need to change. There are things in my life that need to change. And so I go to those places. Repenting means to change one's mind. So you change your mind. It's, you change the way that you think. And you also change your lifestyle together with your mind. It's no use just thinking right but doing the wrong things. We can all say the right things and do the wrong things. But we need to be those that are transformed in our thought life, in our attitude, our outlook, our direction. We need to be those. Repentance needs to be that. So I'm going to go through a few scriptures and we're just going to look at what they have to say. Because I, as I went through these scriptures myself, I was like, wow, Lord. Romans 2 and verses 4 to 6. Do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, God's kindness? Forbearance, which means tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness is intended to bring you to a place of repentance. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself. For the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they've done. Vince spoke about the fact that when you, one day when you come to God, He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or He's going to say, get away from me, I didn't know you. Oh, I'm a, no, you know what, it's God's choice, guys. He makes that choice. Let's make sure we're in the right place so that we're chosen. 
Do you want to live under God's wrath because you are stubborn? I'm not stubborn. What about this? No, I won't do that. I'm not like that. I don't do this. You're wrong. I'm right. Stubborn. Stubborn. Stubborn's like a broken neck donkey. We need to be those. You are storing up wrath against yourself. We will, and, and God says we'll repay each person according to what they have done. Guys, the reason we dig the well, why we dig this well of repentance is to make available to those around us, not just us. We, we've got to break the mindset that this is all about me. Because your well, if you're a husband, you're a husband yet today, your well that you dig needs to be for you and your wife and your children. That's what the word says. You will stand before God one day and you will be held accountable. But guys, we need to be doing this. When you're thinking, oh, I can't repent and I'm so... Think, no, think bigger than yourself. Think, hey, there are people out there that don't know you. And if I don't dig this well and able to show them, they are going to hell. The dictionary adds that repentance fashions our personality. The way... We respond to people the way that we talk to people. Repentance fashions that. I've been fashioned over 40 years of marriage. I've often had to go to my wife and say, Babes, I'm sorry, I was wrong. It's got less as we've been married longer. But in the beginning, it was like five times a day, I think, at least. But really, it was often, hey, babes, I'm sorry. And sometimes I was stubborn and I wouldn't say till the next day. I'd like wake up and I'd think, hey, God, you're going to kill me now. Babes, we need to change our lives. People look at repentance and they think it's, they have this Catholic view of it and what they do there. No, this is about repentance. It's about you changing your mind and then changing the way that you live. I think a prime case. Now, this guy, Judas. Judas spent three and a half years with Jesus, the Son of God. And he saw a person walk with no sin that never had to repent. And yet, he does what I'm going to read. Matthew 27, verse 3. When Jesus, who had betrayed him, Jesus saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse, and I'm coming back there, and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Remorse is not repentance. Remorse is when you've been caught out. Oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do it. And as soon as they walk off, like, yes. I know, three boys. I'm sure they did that often, because I did it. I wasn't a Christian when I was growing up, so I didn't know I was doing wrong. But guys, 
When you are called to a place of repentance, it's not a place of remorse. A lot of people get very emotional and they start crying and, and they get all uptight and they do all sorts of stuff, but there's no repentance in their heart. It's remorse. Repentance is not necessary an emotional response. It can be because sometimes we've got to deal with tough things, but it's not what we're looking for. We're looking for a change. 2 Corinthians 7.10 Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Godly sorrow. Godly repentance. But, but worldly sorrow brings death. You know the story of Judas, so eh? He gave the coins back. And there's two like stories. The one was he went and bought a field and he fell there and he, his stomach got opened. And, but he died. That's what happens with remorse. Then people will say to you, I've had to handle this so often. And once people catch it, then they realize, yes, this is what it is. Luke 3.8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Don't tell me that you've repented and you carry on doing the same thing. Because then the fruit's not the problem, it's actually the root. And we're going to have to get rid of that root or chop it down or whatever we need to do. But we need good fruit. It's no good me saying to Patty, I'll use her as an example so no one else gets offended. She never gets offended with me, eh, but oh, you've had to repent now. <laughs> um, if I say to you, babes, I'm sorry I said that two hours time. No, 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 say the same thing again. There's no fruit, guys. There's no fruit. Sometimes when the fruit carries on saying, staying in a bad place, I don't know, in Afrikaans is frot okay, in a frot place, and the fruit goes frot. I led a church in Nullsprad. I got into such trouble with Afrikaans words. I'm not going to try and use That's why I just check. Uh, in a frot place, when it's so bad, we have to actually trim the roots because the fruit is never going to come right. And you know what actually happens? We trim the roots and the tree dies. A tree can't live without roots. Nothing can live without roots. So if the fruit is not good, we're going to end up chopping the tree down. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Guys, God does not want you to perish. But if He's talking to you about a particular thing in your life and you are not dealing with it, the reason that nothing is happening has happened up till now, it just says He was patient towards you. He's being patient towards you. But you need to know that patience can change in an instant. Look at Moses. 
He hits the rock instead of touching the rock. He loses everything that God had promised him. You will not go into the promised land. For me, that Old Testament is, is, is a picture of the New Testament where you will not go where you want to go, heaven. You will not go. Get away from me. I don't know you. Everybody says, I'm, I'm not sinning. I don't sin. Um, do you know that you have sin of omission? What's he talking about? It's sin because you didn't do it. You woke up this morning. Did you pray? Did you read your Bible? Oh, he's getting all legalistic now. Let me tell you, those things are disciplines that you need to apply to your life. You have sin of omission. Did you phone the guy that the Lord laid on your heart because you know that he's going through a difficult time? Did you pick the phone up? Did you phone him or did you think, no, I, just, I, I won't do it. I won't do it. Sins of omission. You know what? If, if you find yourself in that place, you need to repent. You need to get that thing right in your life. Because that's the well that God uses in the community. Yes, I'll phone that person because you asked me to, Lord. I, I will do what you're asking me to do. Okay, so I, I want to do breaking of bread now. 